When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. What is going on, Blip Sports fam? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, here another edition of FN Sports, the podcast where teachers grade sports biggest issues. And today, the issue we are grading is conference realignment in college sports. We got our special guest, Kev, on from the Belly Up Tailgate the Quad podcast, talked about what is happening in college sports, who's going where, what the latest is, and whether or not this is a good thing for sports. So without further ado, let's dive on in. All right, we are joined again today by, we'll call him college football expert. Is that all right? Kevin, how are we doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, expert, idiot. More people call me college football idiot than expert, but it's fine. <laughs> SEC fanboy, Alabama homer, eh, whatever works. SEC fanboy, I think I've got to start wearing that these days. I think my Texas Longhorns are coming in soon. I got to get <laughs> are you. Are you excited to watch them go like three and <laughs> nine for the first couple of years i really and this is not an arch manning episode so it's i don't feel like we're doing too much i i am kind of excited for like all of a sudden arch signed and then a bunch of big time recruits signed and i'm like all right like while we have failed with big time recruits in the past like this is what it feels like <laughs> uh, which means that they'll all be conveniently freshmen i think our first year in the sec which means that our freshman linemen will be run over by you know, 350 pound nose tackles from your Alabama or wherever. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll be great. Uh, I do have a take about Arch Manning, but I don't think you're going to like it. <laughs> well, okay. I, I wonder if it's related to the fact that he's related to Cooper, not Peyton 
or Eli. Uh, but <laughs> oh no, they think Cooper was the best athlete out of that family. Well, certainly out of athleticism, and then you think about like the other guys aren't very quick or fleet of foot. Um, before we get into today's show, because today is not Arch Manning show, what is your take on Arch for the crowd? He is the number one quarter. He's not terrible. He's not bad. He is a five star, the number one quarterback because he's a Manning. Oh, I think that's probably, especially like he's like a perfectly rated recruit, right? Like, yeah, like he shouldn't be. His numbers aren't that impressive. His tape's not that impressive. His competition wasn't that impressive. And he was scared to go to elite 11 camps because he knew it would show that he wasn't that good. Well, that's and also allegedly that's my theory about why he didn't go to any, <laughs> by the way, it's not nothing. No, about that I think before. the interesting thing about like his tape and his stats and all of that is he goes to a, so like, is Dorn Newman in new Orleans for the educators? Cause this is a teacher doing sports podcast. It is like a very highly touted academic school. It's where Peyton and Eli and Cooper went. Um, cause they were obviously went there. Well, Arch, see Archie, the older was the new Orleans saints. Um, do you know the other famous NFL alumni from Isdor Newman? No. Odell really? Beckham Jr., which is not really like scream <laughs> academic ex- excellence, but it's this crazy strong academic school that somehow Odell Beckham and his, we'll call it artsy or eccentric self also popped out of. Um, just fun facts there for the folks at home. This is not an Arch Manning podcast. We are going to talk some about college football, though, which is why I want to make sure we bring Kevin on. Kevin, you've got both a year-round show that is more than just college football and a football-specific show. Tell people what kind of stuff you've been working on lately. Uh, really not much with the offseason because I'm kind of – for Tailgate and the Quad, you can follow us at Quad Tailgate on Twitter and Instagram and then Tailgate and the Quad on Facebook. Uh, I'm kind of more doing that full-time when I do – not full-time, but when I do podcasting, I'm not on the corner booth as much anymore, just guest appearances. But So we took the offseason off. Because last year was our first season, kind of retooling, making sure everything was working right, see if we had to make any changes. And now we're back. Big Ten preview episode and talking about realignment was last week. This week we're doing SEC, then ACC, and then Big 12, Pac-12, and Group of Five will be their own shows. And will be at some point down the line, we have to figure out our schedules because my co-host is out of the country one week, then I'm out of the country the next week. So we have no idea when we're going to record those other ones, but we'll figure it out. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, lots of college football to get to. And frankly, like we could do a whole other show about what college football will look like on the field this fall. I mean, my text Longhorn to keep joking about had this Quinn Ewers kid who like is super highly touted and highly whatever, but is also on his second college by age 19. And like we have yet to see a lot of meaningful snaps against high level competition. Right. So like I, there, there's a whole other show to be had there that we may do at a later date. But today we're going to talk about that, that thing you alluded to just a second ago, a college realignment, um, specifically because of a couple of schools, uh, you know, mainstays in the pack, I guess, pack eight, then pack 10, then pack 12. Uh, USC and UCLA are moving, it sounds like, uh, in a couple of years, and that really shakes things up. So the thesis today reads, Kevin, that the college sports realignment, like USC and UCLA join the Big Ten, is good for collegiate athletics. You hear that thesis, and what kind of a grade do you hand it? Big fat F minus. <laughs> I'm going to sit at like a C because I do see some positives, but I'm interested as to why this is an F minus. Let's hear it out. All right, Kevin, uh, you said this gets a big fat F minus. College sports realignment like USC and UCLA during the Big Ten is good for collegiate athletics. You flunked it. Sound like flunked it pretty hard. 
let's back up a step before we get too emotional and t- tied into this. Um, what is happening as a college football idiot slash expert? What can you tell us is happening? Because my Longhorns and the Oklahoma Sooners are both going to the SEC. You've got USC, UCLA going to the Big Ten. You've got talks about schools coming to the Big 12, but then there's also talks about like what's going to happen with Oregon. What's going on? So the Big 12 is now looking to basically poach the rest of the Pac-12 teams. Uh, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah are all expected to get an offer or all being seriously looked at. Oregon and Washington for the Big 12 is kind of a dream right now, but the Big 10 is also looking to add them if Notre Dame doesn't want to join the Big 10. And now there's rumors the SEC is looking at Clemson, Miami, Florida State, uh, Virginia Tech, Virginia. And I don't necessarily have an issue with like Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and kind of Utah going to the Big 12. Colorado was in the Big 12 before. They're all in the same area. Those schools, other schools joining the SEC, I don't have a huge issue with necessarily. Uh, But the West Coast schools joining the Big 10 makes no sense to me. (laughs) First off, I already know how the scheduling is going to look every year. It's going to be like, oh, Rutgers, you're going to USC. Then you're going to go play at home. Then you're going to UCLA. And then you're going to go play in Columbus. Meanwhile, Ohio State every year is going to go, okay, Ohio State, so you're going to go to USC, you're going to have a bye week, then you're going to play UCLA, or, oh, you're going to go to USC, then play UCLA the week after. So they're not going – because Ohio State's a football factory. They're not a school. They're just going (laughs) to let the kids do remote learning for that week and stay on the West Coast. I I have to say that's a bold – I. I think of them both as academic institutions to some degree, but you have an Alabama degree as well. <laughs> like people would probably say the same <laughs> for whatever it's worth. I, I didn't say Alabama wasn't, but we don't have a former <laughs> player on the record saying we come here to play football, not play f- school. So, so that's fair. That, that, that did happen. That did happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, but more importantly, college football, the way it's different from the NFL in terms of fans is it's very regional. You're not going to necessarily have this huge rivalry between Alabama and USC because they don't, they play in the bowl season. Generally. Uh, I know Alabama played USC a couple years ago and smacked them around, but the regional rivalries are what make the fans so rabid and so into it. And by expanding it to these national conferences, you're going to lose some of that. I think part of it is also to, try and secure other markets that you're not going to get for collegiate athletics. You're never going college hockey. Yes. College basketball, a little bit college football and baseball. You're never going to secure the Northeastern market. NFL and MLB are going to blow you out every time. And I think at this point in 2022, any market you don't already have is going to be very hard to get in this. While it might eat into those markets a little bit, it's going to, lose you fans they're still going to watch but they're not going to be as rabid about it because no one cares about if texas is playing washington one week it's not as big a deal to them even though it would be a conference game i think what's interesting on a couple fronts there is that i visually can see the expanding footprint of the conferences as creating a market so like the big 12 which is texas Oklahoma, Kansas centric, adding Colorado will like legitimately add the Big 12 network 
to the Colorado local cable packages, right? Same with Utah. There's talks about BYU. Same with Arizona, Arizona State. That like expands the package. And frankly, I think they're kind of taking advantage of a market efficiency here where like if you want a third sports channel after ESPN, ESPN2, you end up just buying the sports package. And it, like, I think there's something to all of that. I, I think that's why the people are trying to add states. The thing that's interesting to me is, is as you mentioned, the some of the most populated states are in the Northeast corridor. And that seems to be just kind of forfeited. Like people have tried with Rutgers. I think the Big Ten kind of tried that with Maryland to be like at the Southern end of that. Um, and it's like, eh, it, it hadn't worked. Uh, those people don't like they'll watch some of the, I think of old big East, like UConn, those, you know, Georgetown basketball, but really when it comes to football season, they're spending their Saturdays doing their family stuff. Cause Sunday is jets, Giants, Steelers. Like that's, that's that country, right? That neck of the world. You're, you're a Patriots guy too. Right. Um, I, I think that that's an interesting thing that's happening there, but I, I do see I, the next question to me. And the reason I'm a C not an A is, Where's the money going to go? Okay, you get everyone in the state of Utah because you got Utah and BYU. You get everyone in the state of Colorado because you got uh, CU Boulder. Everyone in Arizona because you got Arizona State. Where's that money eventually go to? Is that just going to go to building a new dining hall? Like, like what? Like, because we're really building this on flying kids from Baylor and Waco, Texas to Salt Lake City to play. Like, we're doing all of that to these college kids to gain more of a TV market. And if we're going to work the money back, I could see it being different. Uh, but like, like you're saying, it's, it's all these USC going to play the, in the big 10 is adding California to their landscape. Yes. Also where the money goes as someone who started going to school, like as they were in a dynasty, yeah, the football programs will get a good cut of it. They will improve their stadiums they will improve the athletes training facilities dorms whatever but also alabama was constantly building new dorms i think they built two new ones before i got there they built a third one while i was there they just tore one down because they're building a replacement next door i think my dorm freshman year which was hell the only upside of it was there was canes on the first floor which was nice but (laughs) besides that it was terrible living conditions sometimes and so they're going to tear that one down next. So the school, the money does come back, come back to the students who aren't on TV every weekend. So it will be good for the schools. I'm more looking at it as a college football fan. So as a fan, um, you're not, I mean, and the SEC has a strongest hold on old rivalries. I would almost argue the SEC in pulling in Texas and Oklahoma is rekindling old rivalries, right? Arkansas, Texas for like my father's generation was like a big deal. I remember vividly A&M versus Texas up until they A&M went to the SEC a few years, about 10 years ago at this point. Yes. We're keeping Texas and Oklahoma. Like some, some would argue the SEC is actually enhancing the rivalry within the conference, even if you're looking at it as like, we're going to steamroll Texas every year. I didn't want to sound too much like an SEC SEC homer. I don't have an issue with their additions. Uh, I think Missouri and A&M were weird choices when they did it a decade ago, but expanding the market, getting new markets, but you're bringing in, you can't bring in Texas without Oklahoma. You can't bring in Oklahoma without Texas. 
So I think that's fine because they're bringing in the both of them. I think the Big 12's rivalry and also geographically, it still makes sense. The Big 12 geographically still makes sense. You're bringing in some old Big 12 schools back. You're bringing in a lot of schools from the same conference. USC and UCLA, in football at least, is not a big historic rivalry. Like, I'm sure they've had contested periods where they were, like, circling the game on the schedule, but you're bringing in USC and ignoring kind of, like, they had a rivalry with Stanford at one point, and that's gone, even though both schools, both football programs now are not great. But, so I think it's creating fake rivalries, or they're going to have to create fake storylines. They're going to go, oh, Ohio State beat USC in the Rose Bowl in 1953 because of one bad call. The bad blood still exists. They haven't forgotten. Both coaches weren't alive when that happened. It's not a rivalry. (laughs) No one cares. But then also, like, in the SEC with their additions, Alabama's played Oklahoma a lot in the college football playoffs. Uh, Georgia's played Oklahoma a few times. You have the 2009 National Championship. What if Colt didn't get hurt? All that. So I think those additions still make sense in terms of recent history, especially. Well, and then I would also, you know, there's Georgia will tell you they weren't really up to play the game. Texas beats Georgia in the Sugar Bowl a few years ago. Uh, Like there are those kinds of crossovers from the next door neighbors. I think what's interesting in USC, UCLA playing in the Big Ten would be it's been a few years because since in recent history, we're looking at either Ohio State when they win the Big Ten is in the college football playoff it near a national championship game, maybe in an old BCS bowl game that that old Rose Bowl did used to mean a thing. And it was between like, I think so. This is totally showing my age. I think of the Rose Bowl as like it was either USC or it was Stanford. There was a couple years it was Cal with like Aaron Rodgers and whatever. And like they were playing the Michigans, the world, the Ohio States, the world, whatever. back when the Rose Bowl was like a standalone bowl, felt more like a standalone bowl game. There was no college football playoff. Um, we've mentioned Stanford and Cal subtly. They seem to be getting left out of this mix. And I feel a certain kind of way about how they stick out as different as well. But why, why don't people want Stanford Cal? Why aren't they being heavily recruited in like other places? I think in Cal's case, it's not. Obviously, they're a D1 football pro or a D1 program for sports. So they are better than like a D2 school. But his Cal is not like a football or an athletic powerhouse. I keep saying football, but I understand it's all college. <laughs> they're not necessarily an athletic powerhouse. When you think of winning programs in California or even like D1 programs in California, they're fourth, maybe the fifth school you mention. Because you'll mention USC and Stanford first, maybe UCLA, and then honestly, Fresno might get mentioned before Cal does. In the right year, in the right football year, right? They've certainly had moments. Like I think of that crazy Aaron Rodgers team from my childhood, but that was the outlier. Like that, they have not always been that. Yeah, and I mean, it's and some people might mention San Francisco University because they won an NCAA championship in basketball. <laughs> back in the 50s so right. they still might get mentioned ahead of cal completely and I, I think that it's interesting that like cal and stanford and not to like slight we talked about the academic side a second ago not to slight the michigan's the world or in 
they do hold themselves in fairly high regards academically um, and seem to, frankly, at times take hits on athletics to do so. Like you'll see in recruiting, all of a sudden a kid will turn 17 about the time you're taking your SATs and they'll just drop Stanford Cal off the list. And it's because there is some kind of conversation behind the scenes. They're right about, Hey, we can't make that kind of a slide. Hey, we can't. And like, they do that where not everyone does that. They, they get the Andrew Lux, the world, right? Like they, they still get high quality athletes through Stanford. It's just interesting to see. I mean, Stanford has Emmett Smith's son there right now, right? Like, <laughs> like they do have talented kids. Um, it just is interesting to see that play out. I, I just, if you're looking at markets, I would have thought the Bay area was one you'd want to tap into. And, um, and frankly, if you're bringing USC over, and you're not bringing Stanford over. I, I think of that as a football rivalry that's not coming. Um, speaking of rivalries in Stanford and USC, off-book question here, what's Notre Dame going to do in all this? Well, I think Notre Dame should have joined a conference the minute they announced the college football playoffs. Because Notre Dame's probably not going – they'd have, they'd have to go undefeated, which they don't do. Really, they've done it, but it's not every year. They're not dominating like they used to. Also, by the way, Notre Dame has not been like a really good football program for about 30 or 40 years now. They haven't won a national championship since before the Soviet Union fell. (laughs) That's fair. They're not this dominating force anymore. Yeah, they have Newt Rockney. Yeah, they were instrumental to college football's history, but they're not that good anymore. And they're stuck in their old ways. They go, we're Notre Dame. We don't need a conference. Well, yeah, you're Notre Dame, but like Notre Dame light. You're not the same school or school in terms of football or athletics, not academics. You're not the same Notre Dame you were when everyone was scared to play you. Once the forward pass kind of took over, you were screwed. Even, oh, I'm sorry. I say even like the, when I think of like the Manti Teo team, while they did get the college football championship game and got waxed, like that felt almost like a one-off because the year before they were just kind of okay. The year after they were bad, right? Like the Brady Quinn era was like, man, like there was like a spike where they almost were like, almost were national powerhouse, almost were like winning the championship for like a season. And then before and after they kind of fell apart where like the dynastic stuff you're talking about, like Oregon has had a run where they were really good or like in the picture for eight years, right? Clemson is kind of at, at one. I mean, you know, I guess you could say it's going to keep going. We'll see when, in your ACC preview. Alabama had their decade. Like Oklahoma's had the, Texas the decade before. Like you, other teams kind of have a national relevance for a while. I, I mentioned Texas. The last decade's been the opposite end. But the um, <laughs> Notre Dame hasn't had more than a season of that, right? That that's I think where the the lackluster effort comes in. There it hasn't. It's been like one time here, one time there. Yeah, and I I think if they joined a conference, it would allow them to bring consistency. They're going to be playing the same teams every year. They're going to know tendencies better. It will help them in recruiting. It'll suck because they'll be going after the same guys as Ohio State and Michigan, but in terms of recruiting, they will be able to focus more on a region, knowing we have to win this area, and also it'll give them a main like rival in recruiting that will then force them to be better at it. And they might not need that. Marcus Freeman has done phenomenally with recruiting this this cycle. I think 80% of their recruits are four or five stars, which is something Brian Kelly never did. 
So I think Notre Dame is on the upswing, and I think now is the time to join a conference for them. Well, and they also, um, you know, just a changing of the culture in general. I think Freeman and Kelly are very different coaches as far as football goes. The interesting thing, I think, is that they're otherwise in a conference. <laughs> like, it's just it's just football, <laughs> right? And so, like, yeah. it's like, why why is this just why is this just for football? Do you think that their football team would follow their other sports and join the ACC? Or do you think that they'll pull all of them and move all of it elsewhere? I think – I don't think they should follow the rest of – I don't think their sport should be in the ACC. It's the Atlantic Coast Conference. They're in Indiana. It's a Big Ten, it's a Big Ten school. It's just not in the Big Ten. But I think – it's either they're going to – I don't think they'll join the ACC in football. I don't think, A, they want to play Clemson every year anymore. Uh, and it's uh, it's on the upswing. It's uh, It feels like it's a, going to be a very deep conference in the next couple of years. Miami's starting to make a comeback. Uh, NC State's good again. Wake Forest is good again. They're more for the first time. Not really again. But – so it's getting a lot better. I think you have your top schools – and then it's so so bad at the bottom of the Big Ten. So I think they probably want to join the Big Ten and take the rest of their program or their athletic teams with them. Well, because as far as the longevity of the football program or, or you know patting yourself on the back, I would almost call Clemson, Ohio State a wash because I, I think of them as a different place um, than Notre Dame is. Both, you know, regardless of where you put Clemson, Ohio State in a given year. Um, I, I do think that, like, Notre Dame, because they won that bowl game under Kelly, they were like 11 and one last year. Um, and they are going to try and argue they should have been in. Um, I don't, I don't think they'd have gone very well, but they're going to argue they should have gone in. Um, I, I guess my thought there is that financially, I don't know how, how would you pull all of your, your programs out of the ACC? And that feels like an arduous process, but if you just wait, it looks like the way that USC and UCLA have done it, the way Texas Oklahoma did it, they just would have to wait till the next ACC rights deal is my understanding, right? Yeah, and the football program actually does have the benefit of being independent. They could go once our ACC deals up for all our other sports, then we'll join with everything, or they could even go, hey, we'll join the Big Ten in football, and then everything else will come after. Well, and that would be, even if it wasn't as public and explicit, it would feel like writing on the wall, the football team went before the rest of the school, the tug of war, it would be interesting because it'd feel like you're on both ends, you're kind of bidding for the national audience that is Notre Dame. I, I think the dollars and cents thing beneath all of this is that it doesn't feel like with the way money is skyrocketing in college sports and Notre Dame is kind of playing catch up to these. Like, I don't think they financially can like for a long time having their own TV network or having their own TV deal. I should say all of that made sense for Notre Dame. I kind of don't think that that money is the same way anymore. Right? No, because now a lot of nobody is going to pay a ridiculous amount of money for Notre Dame anymore. Uh, They're going to want to go. We'll pay more money but lower per school to the big 10 or even the same per school. Yeah. Like what I, if Notre Dame makes 30 million on TV deals a year, uh, someone will be more inclined to give them that 30, 35 in a larger deal. That's going to the big 10 
and then Notre Dame's getting a cut. Completely. And it, it just, it feels like eventually that's going to be the inevitability is while Notre Dame has made so much money for a long time. And frankly, so have my Texas Longhorns. Money does not tie to winning. Um, it, it ties to like a national fan base and TV dollars and this and that. It just feels like the conferences are going to, especially if Texas joins the SEC, the money rolling in there, not, not because I like Texas, just because Texas pulls in so much money. Oklahoma pulls in so much money. Um, I, I think that at some point, Notre Dame's not going to be financially viable on its own. The thesis today asked about if this college sports realignment was good for college athletics and you went hard F. So now we've talked a lot about what's happening, who could end up where. Um, you went low, low F. What, uh, speaking as a fan, as a connoisseur, and as someone who pays close attention, what are all of the drawbacks as you, as you see? Is it just that, like, I don't get to know, I don't know anything about Texas playing Oregon. I don't know anything about Indiana playing UCLA in football. Or what is it? So I think this will be good for the schools in terms of money. Uh, and there is an upside. I, I'm going to give it a D actually. I think I've changed my tune because I also feel like super conferences nationwide will take power away from the NCAA. And I am perfectly okay with that. <laughs> the less the NCAA can screw things up and make dumb decisions that impact these programs is better, but I think it will dilute the markets a bit you'll have like i've mentioned these rivalries that are fake that they're making up for views but diehard fans aren't are gonna care they're gonna watch the casual fans just getting into it i don't know if they're necessarily gonna care it's a conference game but ucla playing rutgers that's going to be such a lowly rated game it's going to be funny i actually can't wait I might change it to an A because it's going to be hilarious how bad these numbers are. <laughs> well, but, UCLA Rutgers is about as far as you can travel in the continental United States, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like that's super far. <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be hilarious. Uh, but no, it's it's just weird. I think it's trying to change college football into a more national NFL type of setup, which it, it's not and it shouldn't be. It's like we've mentioned Notre Dame and Texas kind of like holding on to their history a little too much. Uh, college football is trying to get rid of its history a little too much and change the way it's always been. Now, yes, I'm not saying change is bad. It could be good, but I think changing it this much, changing how fans are going to look at it and see the games they're going to see. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's good for the sport. Well, and I will say that part of my, so I went with this, like a low C, I think it might, I don't know if I said C or C minus actually at this point. I, I do think that part of my thought process here is that, you know, the money driving this is UCLA playing Rutgers in football. They're also going to have to play each other in softball and tennis, like, like these other sports on the whole um, are, are much more difficult to make because football, you leave Friday morning, uh, if you're a big dollar program, you stay in a nice hotel. You maybe even leave Thursday for all, you know, depending on how far away, where you're going, those, you know, get used to altitude if you're going to Utah or whatever. Um, that's different than playing a Tuesday night game as a sport with, you know, a baseball will have 15 of the 27 kids on scholarship 
or 15 scholarships divided amongst 27 kids. They got to get to calculus on Thursday morning. They had a Tuesday night game across the country. Like those kinds of things, I think, kind of get stuck by the wayside here because of how much money's in playing football. But I do think that at some point we need to like think about that when making these decisions because if football is going to be that wholly different, it feels like we're getting close to a world where it's just going to be different. You're going to have football conferences and everything else conferences, weirdly not unlike Notre Dame we just talked about, right? We're like, yes, you can have USC playing Ohio State and then playing even a super conference, Alabama the next weekend, Auburn the weekend, like all those kind of things. But at the end of the day, the sports that aren't revenue making in the same way, maybe play each other on the West Coast or whatever, um, that feels like really far down the line. You did mention something, though, that I think is a good thing in this. And this could be leading to a big middle finger to the NCAA. Walk me through how that's going to happen. <laughs> so some people are because th- the NCAA, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, already doesn't own the right to their football national championship. It's completely separate. They have no say over it. That's why FCS, they have played in the spring uh, last year, two years ago. And Pandemic FBS year. didn't. Yeah. They, they're like, we have our national championship. You can't dictate when that's played. We're playing. So I do think that kind of decision, those kinds of decisions have been working towards a decentralized NCAA but I think now, let's say the Pac-12 dies. You have four conferences. Some are saying the ACC might die, so you'd have three. But I, I don't think the ACC will die. I, think I don't know if you'll have both die. Like both die sounds extreme. Like I get you could. At I guess at least at least in the next couple of years, I think the Pac-12 will probably die in the next five, or at least become it'll become the Power Four in the group of six. But so four conference champions. They play for the national championship. Bowl games become less important. They're still they they're still important, but they have been becoming less important. Now, if it's just we have our four, we're just gonna play it. Takes more money out of the NCAA's pocket. I hate Mark Emmert, so and he's <laughs> leaving in a couple of years. So I would love it if the end of his tenure as president of the NCAA. It's just the end of the NCAA. That's what he's remembered for. Would be truly wild. I think the other thing that like think about here is that, so just because I double-checked, in 2021, the NCAA uh, referenced 1.1, or almost 1.2, I guess, a billion dollars in revenue. And as you mentioned, they don't have the college football championship, right? Like, <laughs> like yeah. that's that's... One point almost two billion dollars without having the most expensive three games of any sport on the schedule, right? And yeah, so and they use it, that two billion dollars to not pay their or 1.2 billion dollars <laughs> to not pay their student athletes while also not paying taxes because they're paying less taxes because they're a nonprofit. Exactly. What I'm getting at here is that eventually you're going to get to four power conferences. I, I, I. Three would be its own interesting thing, but then they're, then they're going to have their own playoff to get to be the conference champion of sorts, right? Like you'll have an, I think, frankly, you're getting close to needing to divide the SEC into fourths, but that's just, if we stick with the SEC, you have four SEC regions, and then you have the winners 
of those four playing each other in a semifinal final, that team wins the SEC. Like all of a sudden you've got a four times four, 16 team playoff bracket just because the conferences are huge and they've got to find some way to crown a champion. <laughs> and all of a sudden yeah. it's like, how are you, if a team goes undefeated and wins throughout that whole process, you're going to have four teams with similarly impressive resumes across these super crazy strong conferences. And does that mean you have even less likely of a, that you have a Cincinnati in the championship? Yeah. But at the end of the day, this is ends up becoming a dollars and cents thing. And Cincinnati can go join. I mean, they're joining the big 12, I guess in two years. Um, but as of like the, their run last year, I guess would have probably been left out in this situation. Um, in anyway, like, it's going to become a de facto playoff. And if you're having a de facto playoff and you already don't need Mark Emmert and the NCAA for your big three games, why do you need them at all? I do think there is a benefit to having kind of a centralized, not leadership group because each conference makes their own decisions. Each school makes their own decisions. But I think there it, there is a benefit to having kind of one organization at the very top kind of trying to guide things a little bit kind of giving recommendations to try and help out but when it's as badly run as the NCAA and that that's saying if the NCAA was run perfectly they were kind of doing the right things they weren't ham like hard nosing their way through getting what they wanted if they weren't refusing to pay these players and making up the term student athlete to get out of doing it and clinging to the word still even after a former president said they made up the term. <laughs> I think it would be good. And I would not want to see the death of the NCAA as a whole, but they have too much power. They always seem to make the wrong decisions. I remember last year, a kid was trying to transfer because his mom had cancer. So he wanted to transfer to be closer to her. Uh, and he asked for an eligibility waiver so he could play immediately. The NCAA said no. And then a week later, some other kid just, I forget if it was because a coach left or what the reasoning was. He asked for an eligibility waiver and they said, oh yeah, sure. That's fine. Right. They're, they're very up and down and a poorly run org. I just, the money is getting to the point where they, that I think it's very obvious that the power at this point going into four conferences could make money on, could make the same money on football, if not more, because it'd be less regulated without the NCAA, right? Um, I think the number I just saw was that for reference on how much money is in power conference football or how much money is out there, um, Vanderbilt and Northwestern each make $80 million annually in the SEC and the Big Ten. That's the bottom of the barrel. Like, yes, those are very strong academic institutions. I'd kill for a degree from one. However, <laughs> those are also the bottom of the athletic barrel in those conferences. The argument was being made that like, the reason the SEC, the reason that the the USC is leaving for the Big Ten is because they're currently revenueing in the low thirty millions themselves, right? And so these bigger, stronger conferences are pulling in. Like USC is kind of at the tops of their conference, so how are they making so much less money? Um. Anyway. That, with all that money being out there, it just feels like this could push us towards this inevitability where minor league football is being played on college campuses separate from any college affiliate, separate from the NCAA, et cetera. Yeah, and I, which I 
I'll enjoy seeing because I think it will lead to these kids getting paid. I think the NIL stuff was a big deal. I do think if we reach a point where the NCAA goes away and college is like, all right, we're going to start paying kids to play for us. I think in that situation, the four uh, power four athletic directors would have to come together and be like, all right, here's how much you can pay a person. Is it going to be the T like every player can get the same amount or is it going to be just, you can spend this much on like each team. I'm not sure how that would look. I think that would be one of the benefits of having the NCAA, but the NCAA wouldn't do anything. They'd just say, no, you can't pay your players and then move on. Well, or some sort of a governing body. What it sounds like, it's like a pay structure where you've got either max contracts akin to the NBA or just team salaries akin to the NFL. Or frankly, if you just, I don't know how you want to liken it to baseball, make it truly close to the wild, wild West, um, you know, just put roster limits on things. I, I, I don't know which avenue is necessarily best. And while it feels like we're close to needing to figure that out, I don't know that we're close to having to decide <laughs> which, which option would be best. Um, it, it just feels like this is weirdly making it closer, does it not? Yes, it's, it's going to happen within our lifetimes, I think. I think, honestly, the best way to do it is, A, so for a relatively even playing field to make money less of a decision and where a kid goes would be just you can pay this much and then here's what the incentives would be if if you win the heisman you get x more dollars if you win another award you get x i think they would probably have to say if you win an award you get this much if you win two awards you get this much because yes while the heisman is the award that everyone cares about really you're not, you're basically saying, all right, quarterbacks, running backs, and maybe a wide receiver, you will make the most money, which is right. like the NFL, but these are still students. I think it could cause issues. So I think a, an offensive lineman who's the best offensive lineman in the country should be paid just as much as a star quarterback. Well, and the other deal too, is that um, the awards would probably come with some sort of a stipend and that like the way that basketball and the max contracts work is like, if you've gotten certain, awards and accolades that like raises what your max dollar will be and there's a whole issue with like your your drafted rights team or the team that has your drafted rights can pay you more without counting fully against the cap and while without going too much into like the capology of it all i i do think that some sort of like an expanding scale there for talent would be interesting um, and it would allow for, you know, I mean, we're an Alabama fan and a Texas fan sitting here talking about this. Schools with big cash could then also cash in on good kids, um, which is capitalism at its best. I, I guess the deal here, so the NIL opens the door here. Um, my wild theory of the NIL is outside of a handful of like big deal schools, you're, you're Alabama or, you know, Ohio State is in Columbus, Ohio, or outside of a handful of like big deal schools that are kind of in smaller towns. Columbus is kind of a city town. I haven't ever been to Tuscaloosa, I guess. Um, I think that the NIL is going to help city schools. I, I, I really think that like the reason we're seeing Miami kind of come back is because the NIL money that is being pumped into that system through like the South Florida economy is a little bit different than like you know lansing michigan right like like it's a, just a little bit different deal you know my texas longhorns are seeing an influx and in, you know multi-talented or multi-star recruits 
USC, you know, there's a reason you go from Oklahoma to USC if you're Lincoln Riley, right? You think you can kind of plug into that market a little bit too. Um, Cause it's just wealthy business people sitting around town saying, Hey, I want to have more bragging rights at, you know, happy hour on Friday or whatever, but like they got the money to do it with. I, I do think though, most places that have college football are going to have wealthy people living there. Uh, it's whether it's former players, coach. Well, I don't want coaches paying their players through NIL deals, but <laughs> so I think, and I also think the local businesses will be giving these kids money. Like a car dealership will say, Hey, we'll give you, I think CJ Stroud got like a Bentley for doing an ad for a car dealership. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, you know, again, pennies on the dollar for what they bring into the city and the economy and whatever, but like pretty strong. Yeah. I'm curious what rule, like if schools have to approve NIL deals, I haven't looked into it much. I would assume cause they don't want an, a student athlete at like Boston college to do an ad for a marijuana dispensary, or they don't want someone from BYU doing an ad for the local bar. Yeah. Especially when you get into like religious universities and things that might be counter to said culture. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that there's probably just some basic, you know, representing the school while even when you're not on campus kind of thing that like probably supersedes all of that weirdly. Like I'm not going to throw schools with maybe dated religious practices under the bus, but if you're then like in, you know, blatantly in like, advertising for the local strip joint <laughs> like that's probably not something the school wants to see their like star quarterback on or, or whatever no matter what the deal was financially um but i i would weirdly think that that probably ties itself to you know just like you represent the school when you're off campus the same way you see like cell phone videos of someone in xyz fraternity doing something awful and then they get kicked out of school off campus or what like whatever right like those trickle effects issue, happen. Like the difference though with that is that's illegal. If you are paid to endorse a legal business, I'm curious what the school's recourse is. Can a coach just suspend the kid? A coach can suspend a kid for whatever he wants. So, but then the ad's out there. Yeah. He can't force the business to take it down. If the kid signed a contract, you can't necessarily just rescind the contract because the coach doesn't like it. Yeah, I mean, there may be some deal where, like, if you're paying them bi-weekly and the kid gets suspended, he's like, hey, we got to cut these payments. Like, you could, you know. Um, I also, though, like, having spent most of my time growing up in Austin and being a Texas guy, like, Austin kind of thrives on being counter to Texas. So I don't know necessarily, like, could you have an athlete go, like, hardcore in a Texas-y direction? Well, that's going to appeal to one side of the fan base. If you have the athlete go hardcore in the anti-Texas, well, that's going to appeal to Austin. Like, I, I don't... I don't know. I, I do think that the power four we're creating, whether it's whatever's left of the Big 12 taking in Pac-12 teams, Big 10, SEC, ACC, or if one, if whatever the big ends up being, if it separates, I'm sure because they've had some years of Wild Wild West NIL deals, that will also be legislated in whatever the offshoot is, right? I would assume so. Uh, I would hope that they're a better run organization than the NCAA. Because also, the NCAAs, I, this has just become me hammering the NCAA. But the they deserve it. They have for a while. The NCAA dragged their feet on paying these players. 
they weren't ready when the Supreme Court decided, no, these kids can make money off their name, image, and likeness, didn't do anything to legislate this, and then turned around, well, we're going to retroactively apply these new rules. No. No NCAA. No. Well, it should have taken an afternoon. Like, if if the ruling was in the morning, that afternoon you have, like, a set of basic rules saying, no one rep, no like employee of the school can pay players. No like illegal businesses can be advertised for. No businesses counter to what the NCAA wants can be advertised for. It should have taken an afternoon to get that hammered out. Well, exactly. I think the deal is, is that it wasn't, it was a Supreme Court case, which means it wasn't shocking because this case had been building its way up to the Supreme Court or, and not shocking in the sense that like, it wasn't always a possibility. Right. Um, I don't mean to make out that like Supreme Court cases can't be shocking in light of the summer, but I I do think that like the NCAA had to know this was possible. (laughs) Like even if they were super, you know, facetious and thought it, there was no way it would happen. They knew it was possible, (laughs) um, which makes it interesting. Yeah, they didn't want to admit that it was maybe going to happen until it was definitely going to happen. Completely. And then it happened and they're like, oh, crap, it happened. Um, On what is happening, Kevin, you preview the conferences. Y'all do shows throughout the season. Um, You mentioned at the top that y'all have been previewing. You did the Big Ten. You're going to do the Big 12, hook them and those kinds of things. Where can people find this show? What kind of show, what is it like on a weekly basis when the season comes around, etc.? cetera? Uh, so you can find the show at, or tailgate on the quad on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from, you can just listen to it there uh, at quad tailgate on Twitter and Instagram. I should probably make a TikTok and figure out how that works. Uh, get- <laughs> I'm old. I, I have a TikTok account. I've never made a TikTok. I have a TikTok account. I enjoy watching. I've never made one. I have made four, I think. Let's let's look real quick. I, I think I've made four. Uh, oh, I've made five. And I've gotten <laughs> 144 likes. And one of them has 1,000 views. Boom. There you go. That sounds like a lot. That's a- <laughs> it, it does sound like a lot, but it's not. Um, but it's – and then we record Wednesdays generally unless our schedules don't allow that. So shows will come out Wednesday night, Thursday morning in time for your commute to work. Uh, we're doing SEC this week because we do we do Big Ten and SEC first because my co-host went to a Big Ten school. I went to Alabama. So we know those. So getting back into the <laughs> swing of recording, we don't have to do as much research. <laughs> yeah, well, and frankly, as we just pointed out, those are two of the biggest dollar because they have big markets and big footprints. Um Without spoiling the episode, what did y'all come to as a consensus on the Big Ten preview? Any, any big things to look out for? Uh, we tried to predict the Big Ten Conference Championship. And I think we just settled on Ohio State and Wisconsin. Jump around. Forget, I, have, I had a spreadsheet up and it closed. <laughs> but I think that's what we settled on. We also named all of the potential combinations – so whatever actually happens, we could just go back, edit that part out, and then re-upload it. <laughs> just go. look like geniuses. Cannot be wrong all of a sudden. Cannot be wrong. Um, and then personally, where can people find you to talk noise about if they want to support the NCAA? I don't know why people want to support the NCAA, but if they want to come back on and talk about the NCAA or maybe just gang up and trashing them. 
Uh, at Belly Up Kev on all social media. I'm not giving out my Facebook. <laughs> I don't use my last name on most things just so people don't find me because I don't want my my Twitter. It does not have my name on. It has Kev on there. It doesn't have anything else. Uh, people know I went to Alabama. A lot of Kevins went to Alabama. I don't need my work <laughs> absentmindedly scrolling through Twitter. It's like, oh, why did our social media and marketing specialist tweet out Fuck Mark Emmerich randomly. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> thank you. For I coming actually out. am not sure if I can swear on this. So that's, <laughs> we got, we got a bleep button. We got a bleep button. Thank you for coming okay. on today, Kev. Again, that's tailgate on the quad or at quad tailgate, wherever you check your social media. It sounds like TikTok is coming. <laughs> and on that note, thanks for coming again, Kev. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right, always fun to have Kev on from the Tailgate on the Quad podcast talking college football. Maybe we'll get him back on to talk more when the season is a little closer, talk some more previews and those kinds of things. But if you want to preview the conference again, they've done the Big Ten. They're doing the SEC next. It sounds like going to the Big 12 after that. So go check them out at Tailgate on the Quad. If you're looking for this show, you can find us at F underscore N underscore sports on Instagram. That's at F underscore N underscore sports. We're also at FN Sports 2. That's F-I-N-S-P-R-T-S number two, all one word on Twitter, so make sure you look us up there. On both of those social media handles, you would go to the link tree in the bio. From the link tree, you get to all of our sponsors, so intheclash.com, MyBookie, Yeti, etc. You can also access our merch store through those links. We have a bunch of different t-shirts to give out to charitable causes, like an ALS t-shirt that looks like a Lou Gehrig type of theme. We've got a pride t-shirt still for sale that says flunk hate on it with the rainbow and different pride flags and things like that. We have all kinds of different ways to help people out. So make sure you go grab a shirt and support great causes through that. You can find me and my personal stuff on Twitter and Instagram at painsworth 512 That's at P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H-512 on Instagram and Twitter. On Twitter, I'll do things like talk about lots of L's on sneakers, my Texas Longhorns, Houston Rockets Summer League. Shout out to Jabari Smith and Tari Eason doing great things for the Houston Rockets. All those kinds of fun, fun things as we get to football season, I'm sure. I'll be talking about a little bit more sad things for my Texas Longhorns. Unless this Quinn Ewers kid works out, in which case I'm going to be very loud about the Texas Longhorns. Make sure you find me on Twitter at Painsworth512. That's P-A-I-N-S-U-R-T-H-512 on Twitter. If you want to support us for free, make sure you like, subscribe, rate, give us five stars, give us a review. Do all the wonderful things to help with the podcast. And whatever you do when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.